0: up, everybody? Welcome to the Brady Quinn Football Show with Will Brinson, (laughs) (laughs) featuring Will Brinson. Uh, Fun fact, I just tried to I'm Will Brinson, he's Brady Quinn, I just tried tried to call uh, Brady and accidentally tried to call North Korea, so that's exciting. (laughs) Um,
1: Which so many questions as to how that actually happens, and uh, I'm curious, were you allowed to call North Korea? I
0: was not. It told me I was, I was blocked and not allowed to call North Korea, and as such, I will, I'm sure somebody's going to show up to my house tomorrow with like questions like, Hey, hey, buddy, why are you trying to call North Korea?
1: Do you think that has more to do with Kim Jong-un, or does it have more to do with Dennis Rodman? W- w- which of the two in that circumstance?
0: I met Dennis Rodman um, this summer, actually. Really? Yeah, he was at a... Uh, did, did, I mean, did
1: you ask him that? How he's an ambassador, apparently, to North Korea for the United States? I, I didn't. Maybe
0: self-proclaimed. It was at a. Uh, it was so. Odd Shark does this thing for the super contest out in Vegas, and they had um, they had uh did, they had the Worm out at the uh, out at the party, and um, and he was there, and he took some pictures with us, but he wasn't really chatting. He was not like, hey, like Worm, like you know, what's the deal with your you know your whole life? I mean, like he he was just sort of there. Uh, do you think he just walks around a perpetual state of like something? I don't
1: even know how to describe it. I mean, so I, he... I took a, I, I took a flight with him one time, really? and we boarded the plane, but he kind of like went into some other I don't know, looks like a janitor's closet or something. And then he <laughs> he boarded the plane differently. He took the blanket that you, they give you in first class, draped it over his head, and that was it. Wow! No one talked to him, no one bothered him. I don't even know once people started getting on the plane if anyone knew it was him, because he just was a guy covered up by a blanket. But, yeah, that was my Dennis Rodman flying across from in the same row on a flight.
0: Well, that's incredible. It's almost as incredible. Um, I kind of want to dive into that more, but, I mean, we should probably, I guess, talk about this Chiefs-Rams game on Monday night It was – uh, okay. I know that, I know Brady, you, you always love recording podcasts after midnight, which we were doing tonight. Yes. That's how much we yes. care about the listeners and about the importance of delivering a good product. And as such, um, look, I mean, was that, did that, that game blew the, all right, for, did you, do you like a game that's 54 to 51? Yes. In, in this case, yes,
1: because, um, I, I do think one, going into this game, there wasn't the expectation that either of these defenses were very good. Right. right? I mean, I think if, if we're really being honest with ourselves, uh, there was a reason why the over-under was set at the highest it's ever been set before going into the game. And it got and blown I, out of the you know, water.
0: <laughs> it was, if they were already
1: past it with two minutes left in the third quarter. And I want to say the halftime over-under, because I may have just been searching on the internet for God knows what reason, um, was like 90 and a half right at halftime and yeah. and I you know I had somebody who may have taken that and and it blew past that yeah. right 100 uh, 100 what five total
0: points the, um, so the, look at the, Well, the final the final so like the final live over under that, that that was posted they just start pulling it down in the fourth quarter sometimes 104.5 and it actually hit it's unbelievable i mean still hit it's unreal
1: um and and you you'd have to believe that people if, they, if, if, if you're the betting public and you had to have felt like if you were taking the over to begin the game and you took the over at halftime, you continued to keep hamming the over and over and over and over and just to see if you could get one over on Vegas. And, and you did tonight if you stuck with that strategy the whole time. Uh, but as far as the game goes, going back to your initial question, like it was as advertised. I loved everything about it, with one exception, the officials. And I thought it was interesting that the NFL felt this game was so important. They needed to put, I guess you could call it an all-star crew on this game, which my first thought was, you know, these guys haven't worked together, so it may slow down the game because they may be huddling to talk about some of the different calls
0: Ah. uh, just to make
1: sure that communication is on point. And we saw that a lot, so that kind of played out. And then I thought we saw too many flags. Now, don't get me wrong, some some of the penalties were pretty egregious, and I think they were fair. But there was other instances, like there was a block in the back on a punt return. I believe Kansas City was getting ready to return uh, the football. I can't remember who the block in the back was on, um, but the guy barely touched him. And yeah. they called a, you know, they, they threw a flag on oh, that. That, that, was the where, that
0: was the one where Tyreek Hill returned it out of the five-yard line. and I mean, Right. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: But the guy was barely touched. Right. So, you know, I, I just thought the officials got a little bit too in, involved in the game at times, and it kind of took away from the flow of it. Uh, especially that, that first series for Kansas City, which, you know, very, very drastic difference between the two, right? LA looks smooth. They drive right down the field, get a touchdown. And then Kansas City's kind of sputtering a little bit. But then they found their way. And I got to be honest with you. Like, my. I, I'm going to ask you this question after I say this. <laughs> my first inclination coming away from this game is you're Kansas City. You lost by three on the road. And you turned the football over, what, five times? Yep. Yep. I mean, I, I, I kind of feel like looking at the score differential, like Kansas City might be a better team. <laughs> like, like they kind of stacked the odds against themselves and not even including how many additional penny, penalty yards they had. So that was my first conclusion from the game. Like I know LA won. But if this is on a neutral site, I think Kansas City wins. I don't know they turn the football over as much. What did you think after the game? I,
0: I agree completely with you. I was actually texting with my dad about this. Um, he was like, he, he was like, who do you like? He was staying up for this, drinking drinking some cab and uh, a nice cab sav and in High Point, uh, enjoying enjoying the football game. Um, but he you know he was like, who, who do you think is actually the better team? I mean, to me, it's a no brainer. I I thought I think I think the Chiefs are a better overall team. Um, just in terms of their ability to score it with, with with a quick strike. I mean, Patrick Mahomes had three picks. Now, two of them came at the end where he's trying to make something happen and trying to come back. Um, I just think their playmakers – One
1: for sure was bad,
0: right? One yeah, for sure yeah. was well, – you, you
1: shouldn't count it against them. The other two uh, – I mean, maybe maybe he should right. be more accountable for those.
0: Right. And now, he also had a, um, a pair of fumbles. Um, yep. were, were both of them returned for touchdowns? Was that –
1: Yes. Well, right. there was a
0: pick six on the on the one by and There was
1: a the that's fumble right, that was returned right. yeah. after Donald that's right. did. So Ecubon yeah. uh, uh, had had both uh, both well an interception and a fumble return for a touchdown. But but really, I think it was twenty one points.
0: Off of uh, three of the turnovers. Yes. That's correct. Because Jared Goff got uh, strip sacked right in the end zone, and and, they, and the Chiefs score there. And that's what's kind of interesting. Like, if those turnovers don't happen, do we still have the same high scoring game? I mean, because uh, uh, Kevin, our editor, asked in, in Slack during the game. He's like, w- if these teams meet again in the Super Bowl on CBS, hello, um, would uh what would the over under be? Because you can't set it at eighty. I, I was having... just
1: gonna say I think I think it'd be at like eighty eighty points probably probably seventy four seventy two yeah. like it, it I would imagine that is sixty nine would adjust and think that yeah, yeah well Rob Gronkowski is probably pushing for that uh, pushing real good uh, pushing uh, but you know going back to just the difference in this game so seventy five additional penalty yards that the Chiefs had in the Rams and 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 plus three in the turnover margin or excuse me, I should say minus three if you're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. And I I remember Eric Mangini put up a chart one time. So New England used to always study, um, you know, what were your odds or what were your percentage chances of winning if you were minus one, minus two, minus three in in the turnover margin, right? Yep. And if you were minus one, like it wasn't that dramatic, but you pretty much had a 40% chance of winning the game. And then if you were minus two, it dropped down to like 30 or 25, something like that. And then if you were like minus three, you had like a seven percent chance of winning most wow. NFL games. And and that's where you, you just look at this game and the only other game I can think of that the Chiefs lost this year, where they lost the turnover margin, and you you I mean the only thing you if you want to be nitpicky about the Chiefs and what happened is there's gonna be times when Patrick Mahomes makes mistakes. And, and I saw this in college at Texas Tech. It's probably his only downfall is is sometimes he, he makes, you know, decisions and he makes throws that he shouldn't. He did it versus New England, they end up losing on the road. He, he did it tonight versus the LA Rams, they end up losing on the road. So that could be the only thing that holds this team back, because I do feel like they've got all the other pieces to make a deep run in the playoffs. Yeah,
0: that is interesting, because I, I think that with with Patrick Mahomes' hot start, and he jumps out to the MVP lead early on, six games in, he's playing perfect football, um, we sort of forgot about the scouting report that everybody had on Mahomes, which is, unbelievable like athlete will make unbelievable throws will also make unbelievably bad throws. And I, you know, you sort of saw that a little bit tonight, not, not that he was um, making terrible throws or anything. He just, he, he has, he has athleticism that 99% of humans don't have. And as such, right. he's willing to push the limits and, 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 and trust himself and trust his arm. Right. And, and I
1: think the, the last interception, for example, I kind of said, you know, it's a desperation throw really shouldn't count against them. Here's what you should count against him. I believe, was that on first or second down? It, it was on... Was that out of, out of a timeout? So it was a first down, I think? Yeah, that's maybe right. Maybe it was a yeah. second
0: down. No, 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 that's right, because Kelsey caught the ball in the middle, and it was uh, it right. ended up being on first down, I believe.
1: Okay, so e- either way, if it was first or second, you know, you're looking at it, and, and obviously more time is more of your concern than, than, than uh, time and distance is more of your concern than anything first, else. First and ten. Down. First and ten. Right, so it was first and ten. So you had an opportunity. If nothing was there, just throw it away. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, like, like throw it away and try to live for another down where maybe you, you get a chunk or maybe you've got, you know, 22, 23 seconds, however many seconds left, but you still got the opportunity to take a shot downfield and, and maybe all of a sudden you get a completion, you run out of bounds, you get one more in your field goal range, and this thing goes into overtime. Um, I, I just thought that was one of those uh, immature mistakes uh, of, of trying to force something at a point where he got outside the pocket, maybe he had a chance to chuck it deep. It wasn't even really even close And, you know, he could have had a couple more downs there, I think, with the time they had just to take a few more shots before feeling like you really
0: needed to act out of desperation. Um, Do you think – are you worried at all, Brady, that in the three – just in three games – we've seen Patrick Mahomes in a lot of games. I mean, I've watched him every game this year, I think, you know, live, just because I want to – the Chiefs are so fascinating to watch. Um, But now on that Monday night game in Denver – on the Sunday night game in New England, and then on this Monday night game in Los Angeles, all three road games, all three tough environments. You know, the Coliseum was surprisingly loud tonight, but Mahomes has looked at least a little bit skittish early on, right? Skittish uh, is
1: maybe one way of putting it. Like I, I didn't feel like he looked so much skittish um, as, as as early on as he did in the second half. Mm-hmm. I thought after the two sack fumbles, um, you noticed that the one sack he took. He almost curled up before anyone really no, got he, to him. He
0: did, he did curl up. Like He, and he, he grabbed the ball. And all,
1: it was weird. It's almost as if someone went over to him on the sidelines and said, hey, we can't do that anymore. Like mm. You can't let that happen again. It's hurting us. It's almost as if someone sent him a message, and he got a little bit more hesitant to kind of wave the ball around or, or do what he does. Now, that being said, uh, the touchdown to, to take them to 51, uh, he was walking over the sidelines saying, we're not punting, like we're going for this on fourth down. Um, so I, whatever thoughts were in his head, maybe in the third quarter or, or earlier in the in the fourth quarter, if he was um, feeling scarred by what had happened with the sack fumbles, he, he seemed to kind of you know put, put that out of his memory. So, uh, look, I, I think he's got a short-term memory. I think he's um, – I, I didn't see him so much as skittish. I just think they got off to a sloppy start. And it was a bit surprising only because this is such a big game. Andy Andy Reid's a good coach. You know they've practiced their openers and coming out. They should have looked like L.A. They yeah. should have looked very smooth. They should have had everything together um, where they knew exactly what to expect from the defense and they knew exactly what they were going to be running uh, with the way they go about scripting plays. And I was just surprised by the, by the start that they got off to. And, you know, ultimately, can, do you want to chalk it up as a difference in the game? Not really because they, re, they responded in the second quarter. Um, but you never know if you get off to a fast start like that, how it ends up impacting the Rams, and maybe it puts more pressure uh, on Jared Goff and, and on Sean McVay. You yeah, know, it
0: was interesting. So t- just two thoughts on that. Yeah, one, always surprised when Andy Reid's teams don't come out with a really well-scripted game plan because that's a hallmark of him. It's a hallmark of the guys who work for him, Doug Peterson, uh, Matt Nagy. You just see that around the league. Uh, and then two, you know, we talked about live betting earlier. After the Rams. Um, uh, let's see what they got out to a a four. Or I guess it was a thirteen nothing lead. The line, the live line, jumped to a Chiefs plus ten and a half. And to me, that's an opportunity. If you know, if you're somebody who wants to gamble on football, and presumably, if you listen to this podcast, you're you're sort of at least interested in that. Um, that's an opportunity. Hammer that if you see it, because. Even though it's thirteen nothing and the Rams look better, the Chiefs are the type of team that's going to come back, and they certainly got you know got within ten points very quickly, and they just weren't going to. Lo- I didn't think they were ever going to lose by more than a field goal. It was just one of those games um, that was going to be a field goal game. I want to ask you about the uh, the in the in play calls by Sean McVeigh. That people were getting hot and bothered on Twitter. That's what, that's what they do. Um, but McVeigh decided not to run the ball with Gurley and not to make Andy Reid use his timeouts and actually elected to try to throw a, a screen pass and, um, and, and multiple times one of them got batted down. Could have actually, Rob Parker could have taken it the other way for a pick six to, to win the game. Yeah. Uh, but it got batted down and stopped the clock. Did you think that was, did, it, it was obviously aggressive. Was it too aggressive? Uh no, I mean okay, for all the geeks out there who do the
1: analytics on it, tell me how how high of a completion percentage pass a screen is. 80%? Yeah, that's yeah, really high. Mean, yeah. I mean, is that fair to say 80%? Yeah. So if you're an odds guy and you're playing the and you're playing the the, the statistics to it and saying there's probably an 80% chance we complete this, so that's at least going to keep the clock running and we like a screen in this case because of what they're presenting. We're really good at running screens and if we do get a first down it basically ends it and we control uh, the, the the game flow, and it's over, right? So I didn't think it was overly aggressive. I think we're getting nitpicky, and, and we, we've probably seen countless times before where we've watched uh, Sean McVay make aggressive decisions and we haven't second-guessed it. So, of, of course, we 2nd we guess it now because, to your point, when it looks like it almost was disastrous, now it's like, oh, man, maybe we should have done that. Um, but before we actually made that decision, right, We we actually thought it was a good play, and I think there's a lot of justifiable reasons for it. And uh, like looking at the after effect, I mean, it didn't hurt them in this game anyway. So we shouldn't be resulting in like looking at this decision as something that um, really would have impacted them because because they did win. And I think it was at that point in time in the game, probably a higher percentage play call than most people realize.
0: No, to, and to be fair, it wasn't necessarily like analytics people. It was just people in general like, why aren't you keeping the clock moving? Well, it's you know what? You blast guys when they run the ball and then punt, and the other team goes down and scores. You can't blast somebody. That's a that's a problem. Like if that had been a completed screen pass, like you say, we're resulting. If it had been a completed screen pass and it goes for thirty yards, and the Ram takes the Rams take knees, and it's over, nobody's complaining. They're 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 exactly. all Sean McVay. You're know
1: saying what a brilliant play call, yeah. like like what a gutsy play call. He called yeah. a pass and ended up paying off. Or you're saying. You know, it was brilliant because he, he he called a play that actually worked, but it was a pass, so there was some risk, but it made sense for the scenario. So again, it, it's all about how the optics of it look, right? Because of because of how that play ended up and what the result was, and they left uh, Kansas City with what one or two timeouts at the end. But yeah, one timeout. Either way, again, it it worked in their favor, and I think with based on punting as good as johnny hecker is too mm. that's what he has in his back pocket he's got, he's got a guy who can pin you within you know the the, the 10 or 15 yard line uh, pretty much anywhere on the field i mean johnny's got as big of a leg as anyone
0: yeah it was i mean if you look at the returns i mean tyree Hill, you know how many uh he returned three punts 22 total yards if you're if you're limiting tyree Hill to 22 total yards on three points i mean three punts excuse me you're doing a very good job uh hecker Probably not going to get the MVP of this game, but um, still a, a heck of a job. Tyreek Hill, by the way, 215 receiving yards and two touchdowns. Fun fact, Brady, uh, because Tyreek Hill did that, I beat Nick Costas in fantasy this week, so that was exciting.
1: Did you really? Oh yeah, wow. and Nick. I, mean, is- I just, I, I got to tell you, I love Nick, uh, but but I do feel a little bit happier. That yeah. you actually got the win. Because I do a podcast with you. I don't do anything with Nick now.
0: Right. Well, Nick, um, texted me multiple times leading up to the game, telling me how he was going to, um, and not in this friendly fashion, but how he was going to beat me badly. And he pulled off a, a very shady Saquon Barkley trade with Michael Kaiser, who works in the video.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, uh, yeah. Where it's like, like, Michael Kaiser's three and seven. He's trading Saquon Barkley to Nick, who's eight and two. What, like, yeah, He was
1: He's tanking. He's trying to get the first pick in next year's draft. Sweet. Now he's trying to help out Nick Costa's. There, there's some sort of backdoor agreement going on there. Yeah, I would be very leery of that. And whoever the commissioner is, I would take it up
0: with him. Yeah, the, the commissioner is Jamie. We will be taking it up hey, with him. But fortunately...
1: Can I bring up Can I bring up one more thing real quick, though? Because there was a player who I feel like statistically, if you look at the box score, you'd say, oh, he played a pretty good game. I, I really didn't think he did, with the exception mm. of maybe one drive. And I texted you about this during the game. It's Travis right. Kelsey. That's right, Brady. Brady, Brady were...
0: That's right, Brady and I text. Don't worry about it, guys.
1: I'm just, <laughs> I'm just I, I thought... Uh, <laughs> Travis was looked lethargic and I know some of the throws are a little bit off but there's many times he makes that play and he makes that catch Um, there's a a number of times you could see him on slants where he missed it I thought the one and of course the the commentator said uh, Patrick Mahomes overthrew it no he completely misjudged the the deep crossing route that he jumped up for after the ball had just left his hand it was like the oddest thing. I mean, typically you see Travis Kelsey adjusted the ball fairly well in the air. Uh, he didn't in that case. I, I just thought he had a, a so-so game. Again, it looks big because of what the final numbers are on the box score, and it really was more of a product of, you know, one drive and sprinkling some catches here and there. But, you know, typically when we see Travis Kelsey, you think best tight end in the NFL right now, right? I mean, yeah. I, I think it's fair yeah. to say. And I thought he didn't make uh, too many difficult catches. Like, I, I don't know that he helped out Patrick Mahomes uh, with some of the throws that are a little bit off, and I think that was one of the things that will kind of fly under the radar. But uh, Chris Conley, he stepped it up. Like he had a huge game for the Chiefs, um, so he should get some brownie points for for that effort.
0: Uh, Travis Kelsey, he looked like somebody who'd been out in L.A. for two days. Just, uh, I, I was just gonna say, it, it looks like <laughs> maybe
1: there was something else going on during the free time. Like his legs looked a little heavy. He looked like he had a little bit of a, I don't really give a <laughs> crap, you know, type type attitude with it. Like he was. I don't know. I'll, I'll let your mind kind of wander, but <laughs> I mean, that, was, that was my impression.
0: I mean, I had the same thought, too. So, I would, uh, And by the way, look, I mean, like, so Tyreek Hill, 14 targets, 10 catches, 215 yards. Travis Kelsey, 15 targets, 10 catches. So the same number of catches. Uh, I mean, like, there's no world where Travis Kelsey should be less efficient than Tyreek Hill, considering the depth of target that they're, you know, that, that, Patrick Mahomes is throwing to, uh, you know, with the, with the various guys. Anyway, um, anything else you want to add from this incredible game, game of the year, uh, game of the century, best game you've ever seen? Uh, it's definitely
1: up there. I think when you look at it overall, uh, Aaron Donald, what a freaking machine God he is. is a I mean, he's unbelievable. He's worth every cent that they paid him. Uh, I, I almost feel like, uh, in in lieu of just watching Sunday Night Football and seeing how good Khalil Mack looked and then seeing Aaron Donald uh, and and looking at the team that drafted him then paying him, it just goes back to the Raiders too and John Gruden. Like, dude, Mm. you should have just paid the guy. Like, like figure out a way of making it work. Even if you want to say Mark Davis doesn't have the money, go get a loan, man. Just just, just make it happen so you can at least have a foundational piece like that that drives
0: people or drive offenses nuts. You know, it's funny you should mention Khalil Mack. Because as it turns out, after Sunday night football, when the, when the Bears beat the Vikings, and I thought the Vikings were going to win that game. I really did. I thought they'd go into Chicago and win. I started getting flooded with messages from podcast listeners who were like, all right, look, you've let Brady go on long enough disparaging the Bears. Hold his feet to the fire and demand some, uh, some accountability on, on, on the Bears. So I'm, I'm demanding accountability from you. Okay, so so what did people
1: take contest with with my in regards to the Bears because I said they played a light schedule? Is that inaccurate? I, I think people want you to admit that the Bears are good. Um, I, look, I'll say this: they're the first place team in the NFC North, and they should be right now. Mm. They're they're playing the best football of anyone in the NFC North, and so they should be the first place team. I think you look through the course of their schedule. Um, the fact that they've got the two divisional wins the past two weeks has been huge. I don't think the Detroit Lions are very good, and I think the Bears will win this week again. It'll be a clean sweep for the Lions this season, and they'll prove that on a short week. Um, but, you know, again, the win against the Vikings told me more about that team's defense than anything. Yeah. Like, I think not only are they the number one team in the, in the NFC North right now, and we'll see if that holds true, um, but their defense is the best defense in the NFC North. And then that's what has gotten them to this point of a 7-3 and record uh mitchell Trubisky has been good at times two weeks ago he was the nfc offensive player of the week and he should have been he had a great statistical performance now people get upset because when i turn on the tape and i'm breaking down his throws and watching and i'm saying a lot of people if they were in his shoes would have been the the player of the week because of how wide open some of his receivers are that he's throwing touchdown passes to so if people feel like that's me being critical it's it's more me being realistic and and when you look at Mitchell Trubisky and some of the stats, you start to break things down analytically. Let's just put it this way. He's 20th on third down in quarterback ratings, 19th in completion percentage. In the red zone, he's around the halfway point quarterback rating in the league. And he's he's 22nd in the league in completions of 20-plus uh, throws. So if you start to kind of break things down a little bit more, um, it's 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 kind of more telling about where he's at. He's He's been good at times, but he's been inconsistent. And I also think he's a product of an offense that has – a lot of weapons mm-hmm. when you go through and look at the different mismatches they can give you between Tyreek, uh, Tyreek Cohen, Trey Burton, even Jordan Howard, you know, his ability to run the football. I think their offensive line has done a good job. You have Miller and Robinson. I mean, there's all these pieces um, that they have to work with. And I feel like Matt Nagy's done a, done a good job of spreading it around and making them tough to stop. And on top of it, he's even allowing Mitchell Trubisky to run the football and playing to his strengths. And, and there's some, Some coaches, you wouldn't do that. So, look, they're the best team in the NFC North right now. I think they they earned that right this past Sunday night, Uh, and it's largely because of their defense, how dominant they are. It's largely because of the decision to go out and get a guy like Khalil Mack, who now makes their rush with Akeem Hicks and everyone else, that much more impactful. So uh, there's no doubt about it. Look, I, I think I learned a lot about him this past week playing against the Vikings. I will say this, though. Kirk Cousins was awful. And in prime time now he's four and twelve in his career Woof. so take take that for what you want um, you know again we 'll see how things finish out. They have a really tough turnaround, a short week uh, with even less rest, considering they play Thursday night at, or Thursday at noon, and they played sunday night i don 't know if we've ever seen a team have to deal with something like this, so uh, it'll be a tough turnaround for them to go on the road and play a, a divisional opponent who knows them well like that, uh, but I think they 're up to the task
0: yeah and look I think it i mean. I think it's, it says it says a lot about you that you are willing to uh to admit that the Bears are perhaps better than you think. Um, I, I I think they actually I think they have the best defense in the NFL. It's not close. Um, wow. I mean I mean who who's better? Like, no, it's a it's a
1: good question when you pose it when you think about it that way. Yeah. Um, I mean I just I just don't I don't think,
0: think. No, go ahead. I don't think. I mean, look, better. I
1: think Baltimore one point probably was. It's not playing that they're not playing that way now. Um, you know Pittsburgh's kind of come on of late. But yeah, I think you're you're probably right. I mean, now that you start kind of going through the teams, there's just not. um, There's, I mean, like maybe Buffalo, but I mean, come on, you're gonna take. uh, No, I would not. I would not throw them into the conversation.
0: Well, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just telling. I mean, like, I'm telling you who the top ranked defenses are. I mean, it's like, right. it's like Buffalo, Houston, Denver, Baltimore. I mean, cause Jacksonville's not any good anymore. Seattle's okay. Um, you know, yeah. the, the Chargers are getting Bosa back, but there's just not any good defenses. And you're right about Pittsburgh. They're coming all of it. Houston's, Houston one. Houston's there. Won. But uh, yeah, Houston I would, there. I would say like the
1: Chicago, Houston, Baltimore, like those three teams to me, yeah. I feel like are playing the best right now, but you could definitely make a case. Uh, for Chicago, there's no doubt about it.
0: And worth noting too on Mitchell Trubisky, uh, he's on pace to be just the third quarterback in NFL history to throw for 4,000 passing yards and rush for 500 yards in the same season along with Cam Newton and Russell Wilson. Cam in his rookie year, Russell in 2015. Um, and since week three, when they sort of changed up the offense, they started, they played the Buccaneers, so it was a little bit, a little bit easier. Uh, but he's got 17 touchdowns, four interceptions, averaging 285 yards a game and 9.2 yards per attempt. Um, a I do think the red zone and third down stats are very telling, though, because if you if you can force Mitch Trubisky to get out of Matt Nagy's scheme that sets things up well for him and and make yeah. him play traditional pocket quarterback in in tougher, more constricted spots, he's probably going to struggle right now.
1: Yeah, and actually, like one, uh, if we want to dive a little bit deeper into it too, one area where he struggles to throw the football um, in the middle of the field. So if you actually break down his throw chart and you look at um, his completion percentage and all that and his rating to the middle of the field, he's 21st in the league. And, and the reason why that's significant is because, you know, typically if if a coach trusts you to make tough throws, those tough throws are over the middle. There's a lot of other bodies in there. So let's say you miss high, probably get picked off by the safety, uh, or there's a, a potential chance that if you don't see things very well, you got a backer or someone, uh, maybe a, a nickelback, cutting underneath the route to pick it off. So a lot of times when you've got a young quarterback, they'll basically give you kind of a one-two progression. They'll split the field in half. Say if there's a, a post-high safety, you're working to the right. If it's split safeties, you're working to the left. And you're basically going one-two to run or one-two to a check down. And in the case of Mitchell Trubisky, you've kind of seen that a decent amount because um, they don't necessarily target the middle of the field a ton. Uh, and and he's, he's not overly great hitting some of those throws uh, down the middle of the field the other thing is i hate using this term but i'm going to do it because <laughs> I, I i don't know any other way of describing it to listeners and i'm sure they hear this before uh air yards right isn't, isn't that like a term why do you hate about how far the, yeah. the ball travels before they catch it right
0: yeah why do you hate air yards Air yards is a good it's stat. just so
1: stupid because well, it, it existed forever it's existed forever and then someone wanted to like rephrase it or categorize it Just so people were like, "Oh, that makes sense." Yeah, especially for fantasy. So we get air yards in there. (laughs) If you if you break down again his throw chart, you know, as far as his yards per attempt looks great, but then you kind of break down the air yards and like, oh, okay, maybe there's a little bit more yak than you think involved in in some of those throws. Um, He's about middle of the pack as far as his attempts and um, where they're actually thrown in regards to behind the line of scrimmage or within ten yards of the line of scrimmage and all that. So. Uh, again, a lot of um, sometimes catch-and-run-after and, and a lot of uh, you know plays that are being made by some of the playmakers on the outside, too, that kind of help inflate that number of yards per attempt.
0: Right. In other words, like he's – Tariq Cohen is running across the middle right at the line if of scrimmage. If I throw
1: a screen behind the line of scrimmage and it goes for 80, guess what? My yards per attempt are going to look pretty good yeah, that, um, that's... when you start mixing in some other stuff. So there's a little bit of that in there, too. Well,
0: thank God for the nerds to tell us about that. Uh, okay, let's talk about the NFC East. Um <laughs> Uh, the, uh, the, are the Dallas Cowboys going to win the NFC East? I think so, dude. Oh, Look oh, at man. their schedule. It like, shapes up so well for them right now. So
1: they're on a two-game winning streak. I've, I think I said this to you before. The secret for success with the Dallas Cowboys is 22. Yep. Just give Zeke Elliott the football 22 times. It can be 22 different ways, whatever you want. All right? We're at Baskin-Robbins, 22 different flavors. <laughs> but just give Zeke Elliott the football uh, 22 times, you're going to win because they're undefeated this year when they've done that. I think they're 5-0 and now. Um, but they're, they're 2 in the last two weeks, in large part because of that and their defense. And Now you look at the rest of their schedule, they get Washington coming to them on a short week with a backup quarterback. That bodes well for them. Now, they play New Orleans the following week, but that's at home. So maybe you give them a little bit more of a chance. Um, maybe Drew Brees, like, Trips on his shoe or something, chewing gum, and like a hurt before that game. I, I, I don't know, but uh, maybe there's a shot now. And then you get Philly at home, so you've got two of three games in the division, all all three conference games, but in home. And then you look at the rest of their schedule. I know they finished the season in New York versus the Giants, and they've been better the past couple weeks, getting two wins in a row. Uh, I still like their chances at that point, especially if they're playing for something. And then they've got Tampa,
0: and they've got. Someone else, too, uh, the the Col- the Colts at Indy. The, the Colts, Colts are actually at, good. The
1: Colts at Indy, who who yeah. are ascending, so that yeah. could be a tougher game than people realize. But I still, um, their defense, I don't think has emerged to the point where I feel confident they'll be able to stop Zeke running the football. Uh, but I also, and, and I also would give I would give Dallas a chance in that one because their pass rush is good enough sure. and their coverage is okay, and I think they can maybe slow down uh, the, the the Colts. So it, what I'm saying is, if you look at the last six games, pretty favorable at that maybe they can win four of the six. And there's a chance too that they can win two of the divisional games, maybe all three, and all of a sudden they're the first place uh, team in the NFC East, so they win the division, and maybe they're nine and seven, maybe a best um, you know ten ten and six. So that that I think is a very real possibility the way they're playing at this current moment.
0: Yeah, it's it's nuts because like the Cowboys two weeks ago lost to the Titans at home on Monday Night Football. We talked about that game on like right after this podcast. We're like, ah, blah. Titan, uh, the Cowboys stink. Jason Garrett probably getting fired. Two weeks later, they go to Philly and win. They go to Atlanta and win. And they didn't blow either team out. You know, they won by a total of 10 points in the two games. But they've won those two games. And, and at the same time, Alex Smith goes down with a fractured fibula, fractured tibula. I mean, like, certainly, obviously, season ending. It's put on IR on on Monday. But, you know, even potentially career ending. Colt McCoy is now the Redskins quarterback. Um as you said you know it's a four day break between you know it's Thanksgiving at 4:30 on the 4:30 game on Fox i mean if they win that game they're they're just tied for first in the division and even if they don't beat the saints you would think they'd be able to scratch out at worst case two and two uh down the stretch if the redskins win on Thanksgiving do you think the redskins will win the division
1: um yeah it's leaning in that direction because i think there'll be what a couple games ahead then and at that point yeah, two it'll, it'll ahead be tough, with, uh, a, with a two yeah. and a half
0: ahead with the tiebreaker yeah
1: yeah exactly so you, you i think i think basically the division is being played for this thursday and and that's what it's going to come down to um be- between those two teams and by the way i'm not counting out cole mccoy I-, I loved how he came in the game this past week and dropped a dime i think i was first past them for a touchdown so um, there's a there's a ver- very real chance that they could be okay and I'm sure Jay Gruden is saying to them do you remember the team won the Super Bowl last year yeah they were 11 and 2 they lost a the starting quarterback and they said mm-hmm. hey Nick Foles you can still lead us to a Super Bowl and you can be the Super Bowl MVP and that came true so I'm sure Jay Gruden is maybe preaching that somewhat to the Redskins now whether or not the locker room believes they can do that um, they weren't they didn't have as good of a record when this obviously occurred and they haven't been as dominant but I'm sure there's some of that going on, where it's a copycat league in the NFL. They're probably taking that out of the playbook uh, of the Philadelphia Eagles
0: and then trying to replicate that to have some success. Well, and here's the thing for the Redskins is if you beat the Cowboys and you get one game off the Eagles and you play them twice in the final five weeks, beat the Cowboys, beat the Eagles once – You get the division because at that point you're 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 at eight wins. You know you're going to stumble into something else, um, and it's just going to be tough for anybody else to catch you. And so I think that this this is basic. And look, whoever wins this division is probably getting blown out by a wild card at home. I, I mean, maybe maybe the Cowboys won't get blown out, but I and I would. I would definitely favor the Panthers or the Vikings over either, certainly the Redskins, um, probably, look, probably the look, Cowboys.
1: Look, look at it this way, though. Wh- which team do you feel like is toughest to play in their house? Because that's what it's going to come down to, right? Yeah. And, and I honestly would say Dallas right now. Oh, yeah, like They, sure. they look like the tougher team to play if you're going to have to play one of those teams in their house in the division. And if that's the case, like I think you're right. Like I don't think they get blown out. And I actually would give them a chance versus most teams, just because I think they do a better job – than most of of dictating the style of play in their
0: house to their opponents, and I think too, like you could see, you could see the Cowboys like the Cowboys play; they're like a front running team, right? Where if they can get up and get keep Zeke running and keep Zeke rolling downhill, they I mean, obviously they're much better like that than if they're forcing Dak to to have to play from behind. Do you think the Samari Cooper thing is working out successfully for them? I do, and
1: actually, to your point, here's what I see: I see a tendency for Scott Linehan to get away from Zeke and get away from the running game when they get down early. Like mm-hmm. they almost start to panic and say, "All right, this isn't working," or, or, or "We can't hang our hat on this. Like we can't get to that 22 number because we're concerned about not stretching the field, not not creating momentum." Um, like I, I see that a lot in games where they don't get out to a good start or they don't keep it close in the first quarter, first half. Um, that hasn't been the case the past two weeks. And so that's one of the differences, too, I think, when you look at this team is uh, it's kind of been partially the execution by the players, but it's also been um, the coaching staff seeing it through, like seeing the game plan uh, in, into the game
0: and, and, and continuing to run the football and not getting away from the things that they do best. Uh, what do you think about Philadelphia? I mean, are they are they just dead in the water? I mean, this is, this is a crazy Super Bowl hangover. I don't want to, you know um – I should have pulled the audio from this because I believe that you mocked me before the season when I said suggested that the Eagles might not be able to make the playoffs. I don't know if I mocked you. I, I definitely didn't foresee them struggling as bad
1: as they have. But there are also some un- unforeseeable things, right? We didn't know they're going to deal with injuries again this year, and I think it's hard to overcome that two years in a row. Yep. When you're talking about the running back position, the offensive line has had a little bit too. Their secondary, they lost Ronald Darby, one of their better rush ends, and Derek Barnett, the first round pick. You know, he's out. So, so there's a number of things that they've had to overcome, and I think it's too hard to do that in the NFL two years in a row. Um, so they've been snake bitten twice. It's just they were lucky enough last year to be able to have everything work out for them in their best interest. How about this for a stat though? Carson Wentz in his career, he is 1-11 as a starting quarterback for the Eagles when their team doesn't rush for 100 yards. Wow. That's really surprising. Kind of crazy, right? Yeah. Like, kind of surprising. Like I actually kind of went back, and I looked. I was, like, counting. I was like, okay. You know, he missed these games. He started this game. Okay. Uh, and I was trying to make sure wow. that was, like, accurate. But that, that's what I had for a count. And I, I just think it's interesting. And, and, look, I'm not trying to take anything away from Carson Wentz. I just think we were very quick to anoint him last year and really his rookie year with how he started the first three games. It's almost like we anointed him as this guy who's their franchise guy for a long time. And and by the way, I do believe he's going to be. I just don't think he's as good as we've made him out to be uh, based on how he was his rookie year and then how he simmered down. And then last year, he was phenomenal, but he also got hurt. And we don't know that they would have went on to win the Super Bowl and he would have been the MVP. You could assume that, but we don't know that that would have happened. So um, looking into how he's going to respond this year, uh, I think one thing is, is he's not even 100% because how can you be if you're not a year removed from when you had the surgery? Uh, so it's still incredibly impressive that he's, he's playing right now. Um, but he hasn't had a ton of help. And I, I think he's, he's not to the point where he can win a bunch of games without a ton of help, right? Like we saw Andrew Luck do that his first three years in Indy. They were 11-5, 11-5, 11-5, right? Yeah. And he didn't have a ton of help. And granted, it was a, it was a worse division, but still, he was winning a bunch of ball games doing that. Now you're seeing him get this team to five and five uh, in the AFC South once again with a shot to maybe even compete for the division. Like that, it just goes to show you, Andrew Luck doesn't come around very often. And, and I know we kind of felt that way about Carson Wentz initially and in early on, thinking like this is the guy. And, I, and I, again, I do think he is the guy. I just think he needs a little help right now until he develops into. What Andrew Luck is and, and really has been,
0: I think you would probably take Jared Goff over Carson Wentz right now, right?
1: Um, yeah, I, I think I think if you're like, you know if you're looking at that pick, it's fair. And and the funny thing is is, well, look, I think you put Carson Wentz in the offense, he would he would be good too. Yeah, uh, and look, yeah. Sean McVay is a play caller. The offensive line that never gets enough credit. Okay, like I, I still to this day the, the offensive lines that don't get a, get enough credit list the L.A. Rams. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, who else? So uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Now everyone well, crapped on them at the beginning of the season.
0: Well, how about, I mean, with Filo and Looney now. Well, what about what about the Indianapolis Colts? What about the, uh, yeah, the, the Kansas the Colts City, Colts Kansas, right City Kansas City Chiefs? I mean, like if you the New Orleans Saints, like all uh, it's weird. All these teams are really good. Uh, and, and the other thing with the Eagles too is like when Lane Johnson got banged up, and we saw this in Car- Carson Wentz's rookie year when Lane Johnson was suspended, he struggles yeah. when Lane Johnson's not at one hundred percent. Right. I mean, Halifutu
1: Avadi Vitae, who came in for him, he was job. a rookie, good though. Good job. Good job. If are you. You, yeah, <laughs> thank you? Thank if, you. If, if you look at last year when he came in, um, different story, right? He had to come in for Jason Peters. And I thought Vitae did a pretty good job. Um, where, And I think it was more just chalked up to you know, him just not having as much experience in the league. And I think after he got through that rough year, Wentz's rookie year alongside of him, replacing lane Johnson, then, then things got a little bit easier for the next time, the next time around. But yeah, no doubt about it. By the way, the saints are another offensive line. Like, I'm not sure how great they are. Um, and like drive blocking in the, in the running run game, but they're pretty darn good. And, and <laughs> they protect Drew Brees as good as, as anyone right now. So, you know, those, those offensive lines, like those big boys, man, they should get a lot more credit right now for how they're playing. Yeah, no,
0: for sure. And by the way, I think it's worth noting on the Eagles too, that, um, when we talk about the Colts, like, like, the, the Eagles lost John Filippo and they lost Frank Reich. Frank Reich. I mean, that's yeah. that's a lot. I mean, like the, uh, Doug Peterson's a good coach, but when you lose your your quarterbacks coach and your your offensive coordinator, both of whom you know appear to be on the track for head coaching jobs, Reich already got one, obviously. That's a lot of brain drain from a Super Bowl situation. So the Eagles, you know, I mean, it's it's an uphill battle. It's it's hard. It's the, I mean, most of the teams who win the Super Bowl. Don't come back and be great the next year. Okay. Uh, I know that you want to keep talking forever, but, um, I, I, I need, it's like 1 a.m., and I have to sleep. I know that you don't ever sleep, Brady. You just, you just, uh, stay up and grind on no, tape. Not, not during football season. Yeah. Right, not right, right. during football uh, A
1: lot of B12. B, should I be taking B12? Oh, yeah. You should be taking heavy doses of B12 and caffeine.
0: Well, I mean, I, yeah, I, mean, I, do, I do tons of caffeine. Really B12? Is that good? Is B12 good? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, people get B twelve shots all the time. I think Prisco gets them. Ask Pete about B twelve shots; they're uh, great yeah,
0: for you. Yeah. Well, Pete gets lots of shots all the time.
1: Um, uh, that's
0: true. <laughs> we won't we won't dive into it. <laughs> Don't want to embarrass Pete on the podcast. Uh, let's get your uh, your wild card picks. And if you if you if you think the Colts are going to be a wild card pick, feel free to mention them. I didn't want to go to a separate Colts tangent. Ah, I forgot we were doing this. Okay, hold on. Let me, uh, let me go. Do you, do you want to hear my picks? Do you want to hear my picks? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll
1: hear yours first. Oh, by the okay. way, well, okay, go ahead, go ahead.
0: No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Alright, my picks, Um in the, uh, in the NFC, I think that the Carolina Panthers are going to be one. I believe, really, you know, the ugly loss in Detroit. I love the, the gusto to go for two after Graham Gano's not playing well, but I think uh, Carolina will still manage to get into the wild card spot. It's, it's going to be tough playing the Saints twice, and the Saints are still going to be fighting the Rams for a home field advantage. Uh, but I think Carolina gets in there. They're certainly not going to win the division. And then the uh, the other team I'll take is uh, the Minnesota Vikings in the NFC. I still think they're good enough to get there. I am, I'm really concerned about this offensive line. And those this Kirk Cousins' big game stats that's not great. Like he doesn't doesn't play well not play well in he's big spots. Terrible. He's terrible in big spots.
1: So he's actually so I said four and twelve uh oh. in primetime, right? So that includes Thursday night, Sunday night, and Monday night. He's like one and eleven on Thursday and Monday night. Dude. he's terrible on, on, on Thursday and Monday night. He's it, better on, on Sunday night.
0: But wasn't he a gamer at Michigan State? I mean all I remember is that Hail Mary I mean I remember lots of the Kirk. Yeah, that's
1: of, the thing It's the only thing you remember about him is him throwing a Hail Mary for that. But like outside of that, like uh, I don't remember maybe he wasn't
0: ago. maybe he wasn't uh well he's rich whatever good for him uh and then in the uh, <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna suck on primetime you might as well be rich right that's what really 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 rich yeah yeah 84 million'll do uh 29 million to lose to the Bears in primetime good for you Kirk uh and then on um in the AFC side of things I I'm gonna put the Colts in here just for the sake of Colt's discussion but I think the Colts actually might win the division. Uh, and then I still, I still think the Ravens are gonna be there because whatever... Even if Lamar Jackson doesn't give them, and I know you're big on Lamar Jackson, even if he doesn't give them, um, you know this pure passer, uh, you know, their schedule coming up is a is it Jason Lock and Ford. I talked about this on, on on this very podcast. Their schedule it's a joke in terms of the teams that they're playing defensively. They get the Raiders, Falcons, Chiefs, and Buccaneers, and then they close out with the Browns. I think Lamar Jackson can do some damage over the next month or so.
1: Okay, so my, my four teams, because I'm right there with you, I actually said Baltimore and the LA Chargers. Like, those are my two. For oh, me why did I, why did I not
0: say the Chargers? The Chargers are definitely getting I it. have
1: no idea. Yeah, yeah. That, that was stupid. Um, uh, well, they, they did lose to the Broncos this past week at home.
0: They could, they could Although every
1: them. game feels like an away game for them, right?
0: Yeah, Oh yeah, for sure. I, I, watching that game, you're like, are they are they at home? Like are they, are yeah. They,
1: is, is, yeah, it was weird. Anyway, um, so those are my two AFC teams. The NFC, I've got an issue, because I've got probably three teams I'm looking at. Carolina, Seattle, and Minnesota. Um, and, and really four if you mm. include Green Bay. Because here's, and here's the caveat. I would throw Chicago in there mm. just because I, I think the Chicago makes the playoffs. I just don't know at this point if, like, Minnesota makes a run or if Green Bay can make a run, if all of a sudden it ends up being, like, a, via a wild card spot depending on how the division finishes out. Um, so there's almost, like, five teams that I think are in the mix. But let's just say things stay status quo. So Chicago, it's sit as the division winner. That's it, though, in my opinion. I think then Seattle and Carolina. And that has to do with their schedule more than anything else. Because if you look at Minnesota's schedule, it's pretty, pretty rough down the stretch. I mean, they don't have really any layups from here on out. Uh, For example, uh, they just have to go play the Green Bay Packers this week. Like, that's not too bad. Then at New England, at Seattle, (laughs) versus Miami, which maybe should be a win. And then two divisional opponents to finish, at Detroit, then versus uh, Chicago. So, when you kind of chalk it up, like... They can end up losing like the next three games, and you know you you wouldn't necessarily see like those are three bad losses. Those are three good teams. Uh, we'd expect that. So um, that that's what's the tough thing is is for Minnesota right now. And you can make the same case for Green Bay. Um, their schedule's a little bit lighter, but uh, if if we're going based off like how they've looked of late, they haven't looked so hot. So it's it's hard to feel confident with what looks to be some internal um, turmoil going on between. You know, Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers and the play calling and all that stuff.
0: And by the way, Seattle, so they play at Carolina this week. That's uh-huh. that's their next to last home game. Next to last away game. They only have they only have yeah. one more game away from Seattle and it's at San Francisco. They could um they could you know, they gotta play the Vikings, but if they even like even if you lose to the Panthers Dude, this week, They
1: San Fran twice and Arizona, that's three wins right there. Yep. I mean, you talked about Carolina, but they get Minnesota coming to their place? Kansas City coming to their place? Like, you give them every chance you want to at home. That, that's a really tough – I know they haven't been great at home this year, but I think the Green Bay win on the short week maybe got things ahead in the, in the right direction.
0: Yeah, and, and it really, if you look at their you know their home losses, um, it's just they lost to the Rams and the Chargers. I mean, who are two pretty good teams. So they're not – like, I, I, think, I think Seattle, I agree with you. I, 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 really don't even like my picks. I think Seattle and, uh, the Chargers should have probably been in my list of picks. So good job by you, Brady. Uh, let's get out of here. Unless you want to keep talking. We can, we can, uh, we can make, we can make 2000 Dude, I
1: always enjoy talking with you. I always enjoy this, even though we're up late, uh, burning the, the Midnight Oil. Is that what yeah. they say? What, what did they say? Something that is, like
0: that? The, do you remember the band Midnight Oil? Was that, was that, was that? Was that
1: I was born in '84, man. There's no chance I remember that.
0: Yeah, dude. You definitely remember the band Midnight Oil. I mean, like, I mean, I was born in '81. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like I'm not talking about like a.
1: You feel like you're a lot older than me, but I think it's because you dress a lot older, like the salmon salmon-colored shorts, with fairies, <laughs> constant polos, a lot of vineyard vines.
0: There's a lot of vineyard vines. I'm currently wearing a lot of Peter Millar. Uh, but that's either here or there. Maybe I don't we, know what that is. we need. You don't know Peter Millar? It's a great golf shirts.
1: Uh, we should get Peter. Oh Miller. no, I've seen those. They have like the real thick collars, right?
0: Yeah, the thick collars. It's all the the collars like the same color as the shirt. Yeah, yeah, same yeah. Stripes. They're nice. Those are nice.
1: Those yeah, are, yeah those they're nice. We should. You, you probably wear golf shirts. I actually can't remember the last time I saw you not in a golf shirt.
0: I all I do is wear golf shirts. They're just better than regular polos. Regular polos are like heavy as hell. Why would I, I, want to wear... I
1: feel like you're the type that would exercise like in a fitness center, right, or at your country club. In a golf shirt. Is that accurate? No,
0: that's not accurate. I, I wear. Okay. I, wear like like...
1: I, I could see you going full out with, like, a headband on, golf shirt, below, <laughs> maybe mesh shorts, but actually probably some other, like, pair of, like, tennis shorts. <laughs> some cat- like like The short tennis shorts where you actually have to, like, store tennis balls in your pants.
0: <laughs> no, that's, yeah, fun. that's That's a, what I'm imagining. It's a funny sight. <laughs> I, mean, like I, could, I could imagine myself doing that as well, too. All right, we're getting out of here. Follow Brady on Twitter at... 3RD underscore goal. Watch him on CBS Sports HQ and uh, listen to him when he's back on this podcast next week after Monday Night Football. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving, Brady.
1: Yeah, you too, brother. Enjoy it.